Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Entitled Movie Podcast. This is our first episode. It's got me, Murray, and my boy, Joe. <laughs> and he said nothing. All right. Anyways, this week's episode, we've got trailer reviews. The Mandalorian. Future Star, Star Wars. Uh, with the- What Joe said. And then uh, we're going to talk about Evil Dead Rise. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and start off with our trailer reviews. Let's start off with White Man Can't Jump. All right. White Man Can't Jump. Remake of the old classic. This is, of course, from Hulu. Streaming movie for a reason. Tells you everything you just need to know about it right off the bat since it's strictly a streaming movie. But basically, it's a straight-up remake. They really just... It's the exact same story, exact same situation. They really just... They just put a lot of modern-day stuff in it as far as, like, Venmo, OnlyFans, and a flamethrower for whatever reason. And I noticed they really emphasized the the crap-talking aspect of the original movie. Yeah. But, like... To me, it's like one of two things is going on. Either they're showing all of it in the trailer or they've done way too much and like overdid it for what the original movie was. And plus it's all safe. It's very inoffensive trash talk. But my whole thing with this movie is this is a movie that that is considered to be one of your classic films from back in the day. Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes have very good on-screen chemistry. Oh, yeah. And I do not get that at all from this movie well you have i don't know you have i know it's just a trailer well mike harlow is that his name mike harlow jack, is, jack harlow jack harlow okay i don't know where i got mike from but anyway jack harlow who apparently i just you know i googled him and it says he's an american rapper oh yeah so you that, never, you'd never heard of him i've never heard of him no yeah. i don't the only person that i recognize in the trailer sadly was lance reddick who you know passed away his final movie should have been john wick 4 but instead it's going to be this movie which is really sad but with that being said, the movie to me does look like complete trash. I barely, I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen the original, but I, it was on TV all the time when I was a kid. I watched it all the time when I was a kid and I loved it. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't really have fresh eyes on it. But just judging by this trailer, it seems like another one of those kind of remakes, like a Point Break remake, where it's like, just why? Why remake this? Well, like I, I, I had expressed to you that I feel like this movie like should have came out like if they were going to remake this and the crowd it looks like it's trying to appeal to was more of the early 2000s step it up crowd like people who were into that that's how awful i think this looks why couldn't they just make a sequel like i would think that uh, my guess is is old white man can't jump and something like that white man still can't jump i don't know it's just i really think that you should have if you could get Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes back, I'm pretty sure that they would do it. Maybe they feel they can't write a good enough script. Well, that's possible. I don't mean I, I don't know what Woody's got on his plate, but I don't believe Mr. Snipes has a whole lot. All right. Well, Woody shows up in everything these days. He's in like he's a busy man. He's in almost just everything. Oh, well, I'm aware. And I just feel with this movie, do you think that? Well, for starters, this just popped in my head. But do you think they're still going to have the Jeopardy stuff? You know how Rosie Perez character from the original, she was all up into Jeopardy. It's like, what would be the modern day equivalent of Jeopardy? Because Jeopardy is still around. So are they still, because they're modernizing everything else in this movie. I didn't see any kind of Jeopardy stuff in this trailer. So I'm curious how they're going to, if they're even going to implement that. Well, I think that's where the problem comes in for us. We're old and (laughs) we're out of touch with that, with the youth. So I don't know. That's for sure. I mean, Jesus Christ, you didn't even know who Har- Jack Harlow was. No, I didn't. I thought so, he was some TikTok person. So I'm that's and that's the thing is like I don't know. I don't know what would be the the thing because I don't think the young generation out there is watching I don't Je- even, Jeopardy. So I don't know what it would be. 
Well, I don't even think the young generation is going to watch this movie either. Well, anyway, I think it looks like crap. I'm not going to watch it. I don't care. There's much less remakes these days. It's all about trying to do the reboot sequel kind of thing where... The requel? Yeah, the requel, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you you know, many years later, you get the old people to come back to introduce a new generation, whatever. They could easily do that. Um, I don't know. They just, for whatever reason, just don't want to. They'd rather just do this BS remake. Anyways, uh, up next we have Insidious, which I the Red Door saw the trailer. Is it is that what it's actually yeah. called? Sorry, yes. I've seen the trailer twice now. I saw it once on my phone and then once in the theater. I've always enjoyed the Insidious franchise to a degree. Um, I didn't really care for the last movie all that much, but I'll see this. Yeah, I I would like to see it. I don't know if I'm going to go to theaters to see it. I think really the only reason why I am interested in it is because it brings back the original family from part one and two. Yeah, and that's that's. That's the part of the Insidious franchise I really enjoyed is those first two movies. Uh, a lot of people I, that I've talked to didn't enjoy two, but I thought it was amazing how they intertwined two in the one. I loved that aspect of it. But we're talking about this movie. And like I said, I'm going to watch it because it's part of the franchise. But for the most part, I really didn't feel like the trailer did a whole lot for me. No, not for me either. Uh, this is actually going to be directed by Patrick Wilson, which I think is interesting. Uh, and it is, it's an actual sequel to the second one. It's not a prequel like the third and fourth one were. I honestly, I barely remember the third and the fourth one. And I've always, I've actually always enjoyed at least the first two Insidious movies because I always felt like they were like a modern poltergeist. I know it's bad when the, when I, my daughter showed me the Insidious trailer the other day and I said, uh, I said, I don't even know if I've seen four. Was that like the, something with a key? Yes. Okay. That's how much I, that's about. But I would like to see how Patrick Wilson's directing chops are because I think this is actually the first movie he's ever directed. But you know, you got Rose Byrne back. You have the same actor who played the kid from the first one is back. Like Lynn Shea is back. I mean, they got, I don't even know if Lee Winnell and. Oh God, who that who that other guy? The the Ghostbusters equivalent of the of the franchise. I can't remember the other dude's name, but I always enjoyed them. They were in like all of the movies. The the goofy Yeah, the goofy dudes. paranormal yeah. I can't, uh, I don't, investigators. I don't remember who it was, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. We'll see. All right, let's move on to Fast X. Uh the first of two of the last movies in the franchise. Should have ended it with the seventh one, in my opinion. I thought that would have been the perfect ending. But, you know, it made it was actually the one that I think made the most money. So that means you have to make more. Yeah. After that, it's how it goes. Also, let's be real. Vin Diesel doesn't really like light up the box office any other way outside of the Fast franchise. So obviously he's going to stick to these movies because doing these movies allows him to do all the other shit that he likes doing that doesn't make as much money. Riddick. And that's which I love that, which, you know, good for you. Whatever. I'd, I'd rather have that than this. But uh, I don't know. It honestly, it did not really make me any more excited for it. I'm not excited for it at all. And it's hard to be excited for it because of the last movie. The last movie was such a major letdown for me that it makes it very difficult to see anything from this trailer and get excited because I just of how I felt about it. It's a direct. I mean, it is. I guess you could say that it is a direct sequel to the fifth movie, which is the best in the franchise with Jason Momoa's character being connected to the villain of the fifth movie. I don't know in what relation probably in this movie is probably his son or his brother or something who cares, but it's just, and then of course, you know, they're bringing in Brie Larson who from what I understand is supposed to be Kurt Russell's character's daughter. So of course everything some more family (laughs) is family related. Thank you, I guess, but it just 
to me, the action doesn't really look really that interesting to me. Like even in the last movie, Fast Nine, I got excited by the trailer because the action looked really crazy in terms of like all the magnetic cars and all that kind of stuff. But in this one, it looks kind of, I don't know, generic, like this chrome ball, like destroying things and wherever, I guess, was it Paris? Is it possible that the Fast franchise has dulled our senses to the absurd? Yes. Like it went so fucking like over the top that now we're like, well, now it's boring. It is boring. The last movie, when I saw the last movie in theaters, it was pretty boring. And this trailer bored me. Well, what, here, like here's something I discussed with my friend Wes on another show that I do. Uh, my opinion with movies like this is like take James Bond, uh, for, for instance. You know they're not going to kill James Bond. So the overall goal... Didn't you see the last one? Well, I'm, in the majority of the movies, he lives. Does he not? <laughs> yes, he's lived. They do what they have to do to get you to a point to where you feel that that danger the is there, that there is a possibility that he could die. I felt like the last movie absolutely had none of that like there was no like it was just it bored me because of it because everything felt like okay we've ventured into the fact that they're just all superman and uh nothing can happen to him so it took away the suspense of anything real like a real repercussion uh happening within that universe uh i felt pretty numb to it the last one just like i felt numb to this trailer do you think we will get a digital paul walker again in either this one or the next one, do you think they are going to bring him back in some way? Because they've really not handled him very well in these movies. Some of the stuff I've read online talks as if they're going to finish off or give the that character, Brian, I don't know what the word is. What, I'm a send-off? Not, not, no, not necessarily a send-off. that. But they're going, no, 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 not a send-off, but they're going to actually like... And it, do something with that, with that story. Like, I, I don't know if maybe he dies. Maybe they finally actually kill him in the movie. You know, something stupid like that. I don't know. Because that's about all they can do. You think maybe Jason Momoa kills Paul Walker? Uh, that could be a high possibility because they come to... The, I mean, in the trailer, you see them go to his house. Maybe that's where he dies. Mm. And I could see them doing that. And that get, that gives Vin Diesel his excuse to go, go off and save his family or revenge or whatever the fuck. Maybe, maybe he severely injures Paul Walker to the point of where he has to have a whole bandage over his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then, and he's in the hospital. Yeah. And he's talking to a completely comatose <laughs> Paul Walker. Yeah. I never thought I would give up on the Fast movies. I never thought I would give up on Marvel. I never thought I'd give up on Star Wars, which is a really <laughs> good time to segue into The Mandalorian. So let's move on. No problem. Um, basically, season three was not very good at all. I really enjoyed the first and second season. I actually think that they were both pretty excellent. I thought it was a, a good way to really just kind of venture off from the main Star Wars franchise, which sadly, kind of by the end of Mandalorian season two, and especially with this season, they have to get back into the franchise, which I think was a big mistake. And it's also one of my major complaints with this season. You know, I, I have been kind of a fan of this whole universe, the Mandalorian universe. You know, I even somewhat enjoyed the book of Boba Fett, which I know a lot of people hated, but I thought it was... I didn't watch it because I was like, I just, I don't know. I was so, I just wasn't interested in watching it. It was okay. Uh, they kind of ruined the character of Boba Fett, but I don't think enough to jump ship mm -hmm. uh but with this season i was really ready to jump ship uh i felt like 
it started out pretty weak, but not terrible. But then there is a whole kind of midsection there Ugh. where I guess we should probably... I'll go and explain what it's about. But basically, all it really is is just Mandalorian, Din Djarin, and Grogu are essentially trying to, I guess, jumpstart Mandalore, their planet, trying to go back, trying to see if we can bring back the Mandalorian way of life through their planet, trying to see what's wrong with it, trying to fix it, all that. And then, of course, you have Bo-Katan, played by Katie Sackhoff, who is really, I guess, the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And honestly, the season completely becomes about her. Uh-huh. And she's the lead. She becomes the lead of this series. Not Din Djarin, not Grogu, but Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan. I'm okay with them doing stuff with her and having that story and even having the whole idea of them rebuilding their planet. You had the first two seasons with Din Djarin. And then you had the book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you were going to do what you're doing with this show, why didn't they just do, you know, another book and it be her? As opposed to taking the Din Djarin story and basically fragmenting it to create, in my opinion, the possibility of multiple spinoffs that they could yes. go from this. And that's, that's, that's what really turned me off from this season is that it absolutely feels like this whole season was nothing but an excuse to create more universe spinoffs, more everything. There was no actual like um, care or love for the franchise put mm-hmm. into this. The whole like space western aspect of the first two seasons completely oh, yeah. gone. They're Com- completely gone. Trying to do some kind of a Blade Runner vibe with this. Oh yeah, it just didn't work. First two episodes, I was like, "Eh, they're okay." And then it got harder to watch and harder to watch. Yes. And it wasn't until the seventh episode and, and not even the whole episode that I was like, eh, all right, eh, there's some stuff in there that I thought was okay. And then the eighth episode I thought was all right, but it was also kind of lackluster for me. Well, nothing really happens. That's the yeah. thing. It's a season where nothing happens. And I do, I did, I did enjoy the finale. And in my opinion, it was the only good episode. I'm not saying that I'm sick of this universe because I will watch season four whenever it comes out. I might even watch the Ahsoka show that comes mm-hmm. out. I might watch that. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm just not really totally sold on this anymore. And like I said earlier, they are really connecting this to the core franchise again. And I just think that's a mistake. You you didn't see the Book of Boba Fett, but in the last three episodes of it, it became... The Mandalorian show. It Which I am aware about, of, Okay, yes. it, became, it became Din Djarin's show. And in my opinion, they should have saved all of that for Mandalorian Season 3. Boba Fett should have had his own show completely. Yeah. And then The Mandalorian, all of that stuff at the end of Book of Boba Fett, that should have been, most of that should have been Season 3 as far as with Luke Skywalker and all that kind of stuff with Grogu's training. Like, that should have been in Mandalorian Season 3. It wasn't good. If I was to score it overall... It would be a four out of ten. That's about where I am. No, I'm about a four out of ten. It's one thing to have episodes that are just okay or not so good, but the Lizzo Jack Black episode is absolutely uh, awful. It's pretty bad. I'm surprised. I don't understand why you have Lizzo and Jack Black and neither one of them like sing in the episode. Like I could have swore there was going to be maybe maybe that's just too much (laughs) holiday special vibes. Yeah. and then, you know, and then and then even through Christopher Lloyd in that episode. No. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they do have, like, Michael Bean was in season two. They sometimes have, but Christopher Lloyd is just, he's too old. He's just too old. 
Yeah. And I, I didn't, it was kind of painful watching him. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. It, it was, was also painful watching Lizzo's acting skills. Oh, and, that's what I was going to bring up. She's an entertaining musician. It doesn't always uh, transfer over. Yeah, and Jack Black, you don't even, you don't fully utilize Jack Black. I don't understand why, unless if like, you know, obviously these people are big fans and they want to be in the show. Lizzo obviously wanted to be the one to hold Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is so cute. I want to hold him and I want him to love me. That's more than likely what her whole situation was, what she wanted to do. And it was just, it was odd. Like everything about that episode was just so odd with the droids. That was the one with the droid, supposed droid uprising. And it was just so weird. Now I'm kind of thinking, I would assume that with Mandalorian season four, whatever they do in that, it will probably go back to Mandalore because they do tease the mythosaur near the end of the season Mm -hmm. so obviously i'm sure that's going to come into play with season four hopefully we do get some actual bounties and training grogu and all that kind of stuff with the way that it ended um but then of course like i would think after season four that would probably lead right into the dave filoni movie which is supposed to be the culmination of ahsoka mandalorian boba fett and probably that skeleton crew show with jude law that is supposed to be like one three movies one of the other one with James Mangold directing The Birth of the Jedi, which I have no interest in. And then, of course, the third movie, which is a Rey Skywalker movie. But, which, he, but here's the thing. They announced all these movies. Are they really going to happen? That's, <laughs> that's what you really got to ask yourself is that if because with Kathleen Kennedy's track record and canceling stuff left and right, I think the Rey movie is going to happen, but I'm pretty sure that they will lose that director. I can't remember her name, but she is someone that apparently has only directed like a few document documentaries. And I just feel that she'll be gone, but I think the movie's going to happen. Now, James Mangold's movie. I really don't know. I don't care. The Dave Filoni movie though. That's, that's definitely happening. I'm 100% certain on that. Well, the only reason, I, and I don't even say because of Kennedy necessarily, I like you never know what Disney's going to do moving forward specifically because the Marvel franchise is kind of, you know, falling off and Star Wars hasn't done too whippy for them either. So, yeah, Guardians 3 is actually tracking lower than Guardians 2. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong and you may feel different, but this is like one of their bigger movie franchises. I agree. Not comic book because most people don't realize that the comic book reading and the movie viewing have not transferred over in terms of uh, comic books haven't shot through the roof sales wise because of the movies. But well, anyways, well, plus Disney's kind of, I mean, they are, they are losing money. A lot of their movies are just not doing as well as they used to, not just in Marvel, but their animated movies like Lightyear and what was it? Strange new world. I think it was like those didn't do very well either. The Indiana Jones movie. Who's it for? Don't get me wrong, we, we were Indiana Jones fans growing up. I mean, I assume you feel the same way. I, I was fine with the original three movies being it for the rest of my life. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> even though I have, even though I don't mind Crystal Skull that much, I think it's fine. I don't really have too much. I don't hate, the, I don't hate that movie. I'm simply saying that they could have never made another Indiana Jones movie, and I never would have been like, man, I sure do wish they'd make another Indiana Jones movie. I was fine with it being done. Well, you see, that's the thing. It's like, I think... Uh, Last Crusade had really a perfect ending, and I. But I also think Crystal Skull had a pretty good ending too. It just had a really not so good rest of the movie, pretty much. <laughs> and this new movie does feel completely unnecessary. And I, I probably I do intend on checking it out in theaters. Like it's going to get my money, but I really just my expectations are really low. I, I feel like Lucasfilm in the hands of Disney has been for... It's been abysmal. It, but yes, it's been a nightmare. 
Well, it all feels corporate because of that. Like Star Wars feels corporate now more than it ever has before. And I certainly don't like the direction. That, of course, but that's I've, why I think The Mandalorian worked the first two seasons. That's why I love The Mandalorian. That's <laughs> why, And that's why I'm still going to stick around because, like I said, I really like the concept. And I'm kind of hoping with the way that season three ended, we get back to that, how season one and two was... And I just feel that uh, maybe they told him you do this, then you can go back to whatever. Yeah, there's no I reason. Hope. Well, there's no reason. I mean, that's why I liked it. You know, he leaves Mandalore, gonna raise Grogu. Great, just leave it at that. And now we move into the last segment of our show. We're gonna review Evil Dead Rise. Well, I'll just start with the brief synopsis of it. But basically, it's about evil. Well, yeah, <laughs> evil. <laughs> this is like this is the fifth entry in the Evil Dead franchise, fifth movie, and it focuses on a family. A mother with two daughters and a son, and she has a sister who comes and visits her, and there's an earthquake, the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, Book of the Dead, which is the main, you know, MacGuffin of this whole franchise, is discovered, and of course the words are said, and deadites come and essentially possess the mother, and then she wreaks havoc on the family, and that's really just... It's Evil Dead. Yeah, it's Evil Dead. I mean, it's... Typical Evil Dead. Like, if you've ever seen anything Evil Dead, it's it's Evil Dead. Follows the same formula, at least of the the early movies. Army of Darkness was really its own thing. I guess I'll start by saying that I am a huge Evil Dead fan. It's in my top ten horror movies of all time. The original Evil Dead is, of course, I don't know if I'd use the word historic, and at least in terms of like, this is like, it was like a college-made movie that made it big, huge, and which got it its sequel, which was sort of a semi-remake sequel to it, and then it went into, it went into its own thing with Army of Darkness, and then, of course, there was the Ash vs. Evil Dead TV show on Stars, which I don't know, it had three seasons, did you watch any of that? I watched the first season and got bored with it through season two and couldn't finish it. Season three was better. Was it? And it ended good. 2013 we got the remake which i love oh, I, I thought the good. remake was amazing i was very surprised by it i wasn't too sure what to expect this movie i'm just gonna tell you right off the bat i don't like this movie very much it's not a bad movie but i don't think it's a good movie i think it is definitely the weakest entry out of the whole evil dead franchise now apparently this was actually supposed to be an hbo max exclusive and it really cut to me certainly felt like that i can see that i think this fits in the same kind of category as like hulu's hellraiser and hulu's prey two movies that i didn't like either my main reason why i just did not like this movie too much there was aspects that i liked or actually rather loved i'll say but what i didn't like was i just feel that it's you just can't do anything any new anymore with this franchise i wasn't really taken away with like some of the gore was good but i also kind of felt a little bit cheated mainly just for the fact like in the trailer we're about to see a tattoo needle go into somebody's eye but that doesn't really happen all the way spoiler alerts spoiler alerts yes i just i just felt like some of it just was not working i appreciated the family dynamic i thought the characters were actually done well which was one of the few positive things but i was just overall bored with the movie and i just wasn't i felt like i have seen this so many times whereas i felt like the remake you could classify it like that you've seen this before but i still think they took it in new directions especially with the climax and that also and i'm i'm not going to spoil what happens here but the climax of this movie is where i checked out a new kind of and i don't think this is really spoilers but a new kind of deadite i'm not going to say what it is but a new kind of deadite happens it's very carpenter the thing inspired and i felt it looked really cheap i really liked elisa sutherland as 
the mom lead female deadite i thought she was awesome i think she was really the best thing in the movie she did a great job she was creepy it was disgusting in certain parts and she was really like the main thing for me that i enjoyed and i like the setting like i like the concept but i think just my main issue with this movie is the execution i don't think that this is anywhere near the level of sam raimi or even fede alvarez who directed the remake i have this you could call this nitpicking but I really do not like how it's just relegated to one floor of the apartment building. There's all this chaos happening on this floor. It's a nitpick that I also have. And there's a part where the lead character decides to want to know more about the Necronomicon. And she listens through headphones to what would what, were like priests or something where they, yeah. were like, they were studying the Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. I believe they were priests, yeah. Yeah, and she's just listening to a voice. It's just a voice on headphones. And there's all this chaos going on in another room at the same time. She's not going to hear any of this stuff. Like, it is a nitpick. I they know were, it's a nitpick. They were sound cancel, uh, sound canceling sure. uh, headphones. Is it a soundproof room? No, they, they canceled Can- sound. You couldn't hear nothing outside of the headphones. Is, do they say that? No, I don't know. That I'm just thing? saying that's a technology, yeah. Like, to where you, it could block out other sound outside of what you're, what you're hearing in Head- your headphones. Headphone expert. I'm just saying that that would be the only thing that it could be but even then you don't you don't feel feel the thumps and thuds going on within this apartment <laughs> no i'm but like i said that to me it's not really like i can overlook that stuff it's a major was, nit, but that's like that's really is, that's really looking for problems well that's because that's because you I were don't, checked out when i don't like something subjectively i become very opinionated oh on it. no <laughs> no one thing i did like though is that it does actually connect to the rest of the universe which i was kind of worried about this movie this is in no way a sequel to ash this is not a sequel to the remake so is this another remake but no it's not they establish with the priest stuff it's established that this is actually like one of three necronomicon mm-hmm. volumes I like that. I was like, great, you connected the franchises. That's good. I also, I didn't care for the opening of the movie that much. Some of the gore effects were really good, but none of it made me cringe, though. That's something else, too. I felt kind of let down by the gore. I felt like, because I actually watched the remake that very night after I watched Evil Dead Rise. This movie, this remake from 2013 is leagues better than this movie i don't think this movie was directed as well after they lock themselves into their apartment for safety they start to look out the people yeah and you see all the chaos going on outside i thought that was amazing but i didn't think it was shot very well because you know there's like a kid that gets thrown across the room and it just looked really bad and just certain aspects of it was like and they should have done a lot more with it i think Maybe have some more, I don't know, more deaths, more chaos. And plus, you're in an apartment building, but why only focus on one floor? Okay, so I have some of the same issues with the movie that you did. Overall, I liked it way more. I was entertained by it. However, I do agree with you. There could have been more done to like the peephole stuff. There was also an aspect of it the whole time I was watching it. It's like, who the hell would look out the peephole? <laughs> you know, at this point, after everything I've just seen, I'm not looking out that thing because I'm worried something's going to stab me in my eyeball. Yeah, they uh, could have they could have done that too. The beginning of it was the horror movie trope to start off with something a little bit ridiculous. Then the title comes up and then it cuts to the the main story. And, and it's very like, serious. And, and and it's that that made me think, okay, maybe this movie's just gonna like if that's how it started, I thought, well, maybe it's just gonna be bonkers and keep going from there, which it didn't. And at first I was bored. Once the book gets found and things start picking up, 
I was entertained by it, but it's nothing I thought was like amazing. And particularly because I felt like they were being way too safe with some things. Yes, uh, like when you yes. talked about the tattoo gun getting put up to the eye, that kind of stuff bugged me because from what I saw from the trailer, I thought, holy Moses, this movie is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, I felt just kind of let down. And where I feel like in this day and age, when you've got a movie like Terrifier out there on, uh, on the market, <laughs> I feel like in terms of that kind of make you cringe, ridiculous horror movie stuff, the bar is way too high and this movie is coming in far under it for, for that kind of stuff. And... There are other things that I didn't like as well. There's a scene that happens in the hallway where one of the neighbors gets killed. And then as a result, the other neighbor gets killed. Well, that's, comes up. I think I know what you're talking about. That's actually kind of, that's more of like a reference. To uh, no, it is. It, 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 it's, a, it's a blatant reference to like the, 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 the Raimi movies. And the only reason I didn't like it and some of the other references, like especially where they went hardcore heavy towards the end of the movie with the, with the Ash references. Uh, the reason I didn't like them is because, well, that particular one I'm talking about in the hallway was pretty much just comedy relief at that point. It didn't fit into the movie. And then I thought the end, the references to Ash and all this other stuff going on were so on the nose that I thought it was too much. I almost felt like this movie had imposter syndrome at times where it's like, okay, you didn't take the res I keep wanting to say Resident Evil. Uh, you didn't take the Evil Dead franchise and make it your own. You tried to emulate Raimi way too much at times. And I do agree with you at the, the monster at the end. Uh, the reason I keep wanting to say Resident Evil is because when I saw that monster at the end, I was like, what is this, Resident Evil? That's well, what went through my head. Not only that, it's supposed to be some powerful monster, but it seemed like it was the weakest monster. And it can't hear, apparently. That's something else that <laughs> bothered me. I'm like, they're being noisy as shit. Nobody like, can hear in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah, that, and that's the thing I wanted to point out about what Joe is pointing out, is that like he says all this stuff happens on one floor, and then at the end of the movie, you see that there's other people living in the building, oblivious. You know, you bring up shoving in all the kind of Easter eggs. And that's what I was talking about with this lead character in terms of a tonal shift. She says like a famous Ash line. It comes out of nowhere. And I really felt like that just does not fit her character. It was shoehorned in, man. It was completely. And I was, and that made me just, it just made me roll my eyes. It's like, it just didn't work. They didn't do any of that in the Fede Alvarez remake. They did repeat some of the dialogue from like past Evil Dead movies, but it all fit. It all made yeah. sense within the scene. But in this movie, it's like, okay, we got to force this in there. We got to force that in there. You know, it was in the past movie, so we got to put this in here. Of course, you got to have a chainsaw. You got to have the but, boom, boomstick. You got to have all but that. But that's kind of the stuff. thing. It's got like the tone has to, it, everything has to fit the tone of the movie. And I felt like, like I said, like that comedy moment did not fit the tone of the movie. Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I gave it a seven. I feel like it's a movie that honestly, if I see it again, I'll probably like it more. But as far as being necessarily an Evil Dead movie, uh, I, I don't dis. I, I like the other ones more. I do absolutely. Oh, I definitely do. I feel like this for me. It's a five out of ten. Uh, that's what I would give it. I, I just feel and like comparing it to recent horror movies, like Scream Six. Scream Six, I think, is overall a better movie, but that's still not that great of a movie. Like it's fine. It's decent. It's a decent movie. I definitely think it's better than Evil Dead Rise, barely. But I do think Evil Dead Rise is better than something like the Hellraiser Hulu mm -hmm. movie or even like Prey. Well, the, the, I mean, my favorite horror movie I've seen in recent times is still Malignant. So well, yeah, uh, that movie's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Malignant and Hereditary. I mean, these are some great movies and I feel that, you know, it's good that we are getting all these horror movies, but I just would like for them to be better.
felt I felt let down. I was unimpressed. I was unfulfilled. Because I, I love the trailer. I thought the trailer was fantastic. Y'all brought up the tattoo needle. There's also a cheese grater thing that could have been done more. Lost opportunities. I was yeah. expecting that to be awesome. And I was just like, oh, that was it? Yeah. <laughs> It was just kind of, yeah, unfulfilling. Earlier you said you expect more, you expect better. And that is generally the idea behind the title of this show. When I first thought of the Entitled Movie Podcast, the the whole thing that came to mind is gaming journalists and a lot of the people who didn't like the fact that Star Wars has pretty much been crapped on by a huge portion of the uh, fan base. Entitled and toxic are words that are regularly thrown around in these two areas as a consumer you absolutely are entitled to a working product an entertaining product and it should be worth your time it's not right that these these companies put out absolute horse crap regularly and we get called entitled or toxic because we don't like something in it that's that's something we're 100 percent uh, allowed to do or we're allowed to disagree we're allowed to say we don't like something or that we do and it doesn't make you entitled it doesn't make you toxic i mean it does if you cross some kind of line such as making threats or things like that but if it's your money you should absolutely demand better you should be entitled to a degree so that's the the basic concept behind this show so having said that i'm murray and thanks for listening goodbye